for tuning in to episode seven of This Is Not Financial Advice. Today we're going to shoot the shit about China, uh, dive into gas prices and what our personal plans are, and uh, see where the conversation takes us. So thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Buddha. We live? Mac, we live. What's up, my dog? How are you? Uh, I'm great, man. Just another beautiful Sunday in San Diego. Hope everything's good on the East Coast. Yeah, it was a beautiful day. Unfortunately, I uh, sat inside an office room with no windows or doors for most of the day. But, uh, are you serious? Life. Yeah. What are you doing? What was that about? I can't talk about it. Can't talk? Yeah. Don't ask, don't tell, huh? Yeah, exactly. It's classified? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm fine, but uh, I'm fine because I've got an electric car. I feel like everyone else is just uh, feeling the heat, and uh, I think you know the United States is going to have to take some drastic action. We need to we need to nuke some people. We need to get some people to start pumping oil or face the consequences. Well, dude, I you know I keep uh, wincing every time I see uh, that the Tesla Cybertruck has been pushed back because I'm one of those freaking bros who has that. Uh, you know, who took a huge leap of faith and put a $100 uh, deposit down for uh, the Cybertruck back in 2019. Uh, it was 100 bucks. It was $100 deposit, yeah. Dude, so. gr- grow up. I put down like a $5,000 deposit for the Model 3 and sat on that for like two years. <laughs> well, dude, yeah, I mean, well, actually, it's just it, – it locked your place in line and it gave you like – you could pick out your uh, – you could pick out your model. So I actually put in two separate deposits, one okay. for like just the rear wheel drive, like base model. That was like, I don't know, back in 2019, it was going to be uh, initially hit the streets for 35,000. And then I put it, I put another deposit in for um, a second one. And um, that was the dual motor, like all wheel drive with the full self driving. And I figured, Hey, you know what? It was going to run like a little less than 60 Gs at the time, but uh, we'll see what uh, inflation has done yeah. uh, uh, to that you know starting price once. Why? Once they actually... Why the two different trucks though? Where you just you wanted to just you figured heck I'll just reserve my spot in line and see what these things shake out to be like. And for all you fact checkers out there, now that I think about it, I put two grand down. It wasn't five. I was being too too dramatic. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to have. Uh, options because you know each deposit locked your you know place in line for one specific model and there's like or not one specific model but you know one specific variant of the tesla Cybertruck. yeah and yeah. uh i wanted to you know maybe if i hit the lotto or something i'd, I'd want to get all the bells and whistles but i think yeah, i'm gonna get that you. one regardless um they're pretty polarizing if you haven't seen them they kind of look like uh they look like the warthog from uh, from a Halo for all you Halo nerds out there. It is uh, kind of like a dream come to life truck, dude. I hadn't heard that analogy. Maybe I read it a while back, but yeah, it's uh, that definitely fits. I like the little ATV that they've actually been selling. They're probably out of them or whatever, but they actually sold that little ATV that they ran up into the back of the truck during the demo. There's like a couple thousand on the street now. Oh no way! Yeah, I wanted to get the camping version. Um, Apparently, you know, there's like a tono cover that rolls in and rolls yeah. out and they're going to release a, uh, uh, you know, an option to have that, uh, you know, be solar panels, which isn't going to like be able to, it's not going to produce enough mileage to like fuel your, 
feel your car like indefinitely, but it'll add, you know, if you park somewhere in the sun, it'll add like, you know, six or seven miles per day of being yeah. parked in the sun. So it's not it's a nothing. trickle charger. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, if you're only commuting on a daily basis from say East village to North Island, San Diego, that's only a, a few miles, right? So yeah. you probably, probably go like four or five months without ever having to charge that bitch up. I remember six, seven years ago when people were asking Elon, it's an electric car. Why wouldn't you consider putting solar on it? I, rough, rough quote, rough fact here, but basically putting a $5,000 solar panel on top of the car was going to create yeah, about four miles of range every day if you parked in the sun for eight hours while you're at work, right? So it's like you might as well just hang on to your money and uh, you know spend more on, on electricity or whatever. But I do like the concept. As solar becomes more efficient, maybe we can go from like the, the 28 or 30% capacity it has if we ever get, get up to like 60 or 70% uh, effectiveness. There's like this conversion, uh, efficiency conversion out there. If we ever get up there, maybe... Uh, It'd actually be worth it for the sake of better trickle charge, but who knows? But in the meantime, people are paying well, out real the quick, butt. Real quick, that's a great point, but uh, yeah. you can't you can't put a, a price tag on Southern California elite status virtue signaling, and that's oh. <laughs> uh, that's what buys you as well. You know, <laughs> that's true. They're missing out on that uh, fu money. Let me flash my cash around uh, situation here in the great state of California. Exactly. Um, uh, speaking of California, what are you? What's what's the freaking uh, price of a uh, gallon of gas out there these days, dude? So let me break this down real quick. I've got this site pulled up. It's literally gas prices from AAA, and right now the current average in the state of California is six dollars and thirty-two cents. And last year, shit. one year ago, the current the average for regular was four dollars and twenty-seven cents. Uh, the highest recorded price for regular has been six forty four, and let me tell you, folks, we've got the Tesla. That's that's fine. We got the electric car. The other car sips premium, and premium out here. Uh, the site here is saying that it's currently six sixty seven a gallon. I'm seeing seven dollars everywhere here in San Diego because, of course, San Diego puts puts a tax on top of it, but. It's about seven bucks for premium in SoCal right now. That's like boat prices. That's like yacht <laughs> price gases. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it might be cheaper for me to go go around to the yacht, pull up to the dock, and see if that that fucking you know thick thick diesel works in the in the V8. I don't know. Dude, I'm just gonna start. Uh, I just I just read David Goggins' book. Can't hurt me. I'm just gonna yeah. start running. I'm just gonna start running. <laughs> fucking 12 miles to and from work every day just healthier gas, and dude. richer oh yeah. no exactly. i like i like it man at what point at what point would you say you know what I, I want to secure um you know my costs for the future and i want to know that gas isn't going to go to eight or ten gallons or perhaps it has gone to eight or ten gallons at what point would you say shoot i need to ride an electric bike for my five mile commute or what is your commute like Travis let's break that down well unfortunately the great state of Virginia Virginia's for lovers by the way uh, the great state of Virginia is not super bike friendly uh, however it's an improvement on Jacksonville Florida which had the highest pedestrian fatality rate out of 
any county in the entire United States. You oh can look God. that up. Yeah. Um, but uh, it is an improvement, but it's not bike friendly at all. Uh, there's no bike lanes. There's, there's nothing really happening out here. So, you know, you're you're putting your life in your hands if you're if you're going to ride that freaking e-bike 12 miles to work, dude. And people flying, you know, 15 year old kids flying past you at 65 in their you know, parents' trucks. Yeah, texting. Yeah, dude, forget about it. In San Diego, uh, we especially in the last couple of years, man, since you've been gone, frankly, San Diego's installed a couple more bike lanes. There's a couple bike designated roads. And they're doing it on the right streets, the correct streets that like go through the multiple neighborhoods that someone actually would want to transit through where the businesses are. They go right through the strip. It's actually a pretty good setup so far. Like kudos to the city planners here in San Diego. Uh, you guys are you guys are holding it together and making the e-bike and standard bike uh, situation a lot better for SoCal. The point being, man, I think uh, a 10 mile commute here in San Diego, let's say you had to do 10 miles, that'd be a little bit much. Uh, but if you're knocking that out at like a constant 15 miles an hour on your e-bike, you're getting to work in let's call it what, 40 minutes, depending on, you know, depending on whether or not you count getting out the door and all that. Let's say you're getting to work in 45 minutes. I think I would lock in that lifestyle and do that full time if gas jumped up to that nine ten dollar a gallon range i like it wouldn't even be it wouldn't even be like a convenience factor just be like i have to do this it's stupid to not do this because at ten dollars a gallon filling 20 gallons in our in our you know standard car it's freaking nuts 200 bucks just to fill up every two basically every 11 or 12 days that's insane hey let's take into account maybe just riding a normal bike you lazy fucking millennial uh You know, what's the fuel cost there? Fucking uh, a bowl of frosted flakes, no. dude? Like, <laughs> like, I'm that not. Was, but then you're showing like, up all sweaty and nasty. You know, you're like just the chotch bag who's like got a wet back in his like in his suit, in his suit shirt or whatever. It's just. Okay, well, maybe you have, you have to have like a shower or something for it to work. Yeah, like if we were going back to the the hangar bay and we were going back to the squadron to fly or whatever, yeah, you got showers there. You could jump in. I did that for a little bit. I'd go from downtown to the ferry and and hop over the ferry, but someone stole my freaking bike. So, uh, you know, what I was just thinking I got to look up gas prices during the 70s when we had the gas crunch. Well, and not only that, but you had to factor in the uh, extremely long wait times then. And also, um, you know, a lot, a lot of gas stations were just simply running out of gas at that time. And you just couldn't, you know, you couldn't go there. So it would be, you know, lines two hours long at the only gas stations that had, uh, that had any, uh, you know, available for purchase. Dude. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. There's always the time convenience. Uh, for, I'm, I'm doing this on the fly. But uh, for all the boomers who complain about how bad it got in the 70s, uh, right off the bat, in 1973, the first signs of a looming crisis appeared in such and such county. And at that time, the, the gas prices were hiking up from about 38 cents a gallon to a dollar. Go fuck yourself. Are you serious right now? Oh no, I have to pay an entire dollar for this shit. We should be <laughs> we should be rolling coal on the way home and the way to work. Like what is that? Okay, hold on, a little bit more for you here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The prospect of even paying four dollars a gallon, that 
that seems to be the worst that it got. $4 a gallon, which was unfathomable compared to the 40 cents they had been at. But even accounting for inflation, inflation Travis, 4 bucks is a, probably about $10 a gallon today. That's about how bad it got in the 70s. Yeah, that's that's not, I mean, yeah, 70s money, I guess that's not. Uh, it's fake. You know, that's not, yeah, that's not too bad. Um, but, you know, it really, it really uh, you know, it's, it's kind of this weird experiment we're playing where uh, we went from a nation that was energy dependent or energy independent rather to a nation that's now not energy dependent and all sound, you know, it sounds good, right? We're not pumping oil. We're not using our own reserves, you know, um, we're trying, we're trying to convert to cleaner energy, but you know, un, uh, unlike, you know, a lot of people think you can't just flip that switch, man. It's going to take the infrastructure freaking decades and decades you know we might not even see it in our lifetimes to to convert from fossil fuels to you know electric or solar or what you know or not just electric uh solar uh you know wind turbine and uh, you can't just flip the switch man and uh, unfortunately it's the lower socioeconomic class that's feeling the biggest uh the biggest burn from this thing because you know they don't have that disposable income uh, to tap into, yeah. right? Uh, uh, your huge surplus of disposable income. When when a hundred percent of your paycheck ends up paying some kind of expense, any of those expenses getting larger is just kicking you right in the nuts. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I I try I try and think of like you know, if you're a if you're working a service job, right? Like uh, you know, in in downtown San Francisco, you can't afford to live there. Right. So you have to commute or take the train or, or the BART or whatever it is. Right. So like if you're driving, you know, you're looking at you're probably looking at a minimum of 35, 40 minute commute. And now that expense to go to and from work might make it so your job's not even worth it anymore. And you, you quit and you've got to look elsewhere. You know, dude, you it, it blows my mind sometimes. Like, you know, when you get into the Midwest, there's still states where the minimum wage is like six or seven bucks. When I was in high school, 20, 2007, I had a job where I was getting paid like five fifty an hour. Like, I don't know why I would even do that, right? Like how, yeah. especially today where five fifty an hour is probably really pretty much like $3 an hour. Like, that's insanity. So there's a little bit more on this article that's uh, well, well worth our time. Get yeah. this. In the wake of the 1979 gas shortage, prices rose sharply from about $0.40 cents a gallon, topping a dollar for the first time. And then basically from 1980 for the next 20 years until the year 2000, price, prices fluctuated between 90 cents and a buck 23 per gallon. So they kind of just stayed around a dollar for the next 20 years. Now get this, I didn't realize this, Travis. Maybe I wasn't, I just wasn't paying attention, right? I was 15. But it wasn't until the year 2005 that gas even touched a dollar, or excuse me, $2. In the year 2005, gas hit $2 for the first time. That's wow. nuts. Yeah, that is nuts. I remember after 9-11, seeing, you know, no one was traveling anywhere. I specifically remember seeing gas at, um, and I don't know why this memory stuck out in my head, because I wasn't paying for gas. I was in eighth grade. But um, I remember seeing gas at like 93 cents a gallon. Super Holy. cheap. Yeah. You know what? Uh, 
crazy enough, dude, um, in Florida in 20, I think shortly before the, uh, before the pandemic started and, yeah. you know, it was just economic boom, boom time. Um, gas was like a dollar 70, dude. When was this? This is like, like a couple now? years ago. Yeah. That's a couple years ago in Florida. Nuts, man. Yeah. It was I awesome. don't think I've seen below three ninety in California. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I've only been out here for what? since 2014 or so, but that's nuts, man. Yeah, we hit $2 in 2005. In 2007, we hit $3 nationwide. In 2008, we just bumped over $4. So from 2008 until the last couple of years, we kind of hung around that $4 range, I would say. And now yeah, today, sure. it's just fucking anything goes, it seems. And obviously, I wanted to go back to my um, you know previous comment yeah. of moving away from ener- energy uh, independence towards, you know, Really, you know, putting putting uh, the pre- pressure on uh, on uh, alternate energy sources and infrastructure there. Like, you can't just flip that switch. Um, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. But you got you got uh, uh, administration changes um, there, right? And then you got the war in Ukraine, right? I yeah. know we only bring in about three percent of our crude oil from Russia, however. You know, we ban. We, we're not buying it from Russia anymore. Uh, the uh, uh, Western Europe's not getting their oil, or not get. You know, they're getting a much, a much uh, drastically reduced like amount of their oil from Russia. And now, um, you know, OPEC, which is basically a cartel, is like, oh well, you know, one of our biggest competitors is kind of out of the uh, out of the picture here. And this is, you know, we're kind of paying the cost of. Uh, of you know yeah. taking that chance to uh to hey Illumio's back What's i up, saw man? that man and yeah. he subscribed Illumio. i was disappointed hey. when you didn't subscribe after that last pod so welcome I back know. I, was heart- I was heartbroken but um yeah it's, it's kind of interesting to see um you know the real world uh the real world effects and second and third order effects from yeah. uh from you know simple policy changes and and uh and things like that, you know? Well, I think it was 2018. There's a video that's been kind of blown up a little bit. There's a meeting with Germany, Trump and the prime minister of Germany. And uh, he kind of slaps him on the wrist for a couple minutes saying, hey, what's the deal? We give you guys billions of dollars in defense. And, oh, by the way, everybody, we give other countries billions of dollars in in defense spending. Let's uh, put a pin in that and bring that up another time. But, you know, Germany gets billions from us, apparently. And uh, they decided to just build this gas pipeline with Russia, which is a, a pretty new thing. It doubles down on uh, it doubled down on kind of um, securing their natural gas supply from Russia. But Germany's burning like it was before the war, burning about seventy or eighty percent of their natural gas LNG coming from Russia. And Trump was like, "Why would you do that? Like we're we're keeping you guys safe from Russia, and you decided to just you know do a deal with the devil." And here we are, four years later, where that's a huge crux in, in the issue for for the European states on their reliance on on Russia for natural resources and how they're too timid to fight back. That's really a big a big part of the issue, man. I mean, the OPEC situation's hilarious. It's it's just hilarious. Like we prop up multiple OPEC countries, including Saudi Arabia ensure they maintain this dominating stance and they just fucking screw us over 
right? Yeah, and uh, you know, politics aside, it's it's for me, it's just super interesting to see that uh, you know the 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 convergence of idealistic policy and where that meets the real world ramifications of of said policy and how you know typically now we're seeing you know the most desperate people in our country having to pay the highest cost because it affects them the most um right and and, uh it's kind of sad back to uh the united states and our power or i'll put Texas, I believe, has helped the United States be a net uh, net exporter of, of energy for the last few years. If you look at Houston, Houston's on fire right now. Anybody with some seed money is trying to start uh, their own little oil rig company. It's pretty crazy. But yeah. if we have to speaking rely on the of, Gulf of Mexico, we will. Speaking of well, it may not be, uh, it may not be so sure. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, far right-wing uh, do- dopes out there. Uh, who are uh, you know shouting in the streets for Texas to secede from the union? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, I don't think that would ever happen. But um, pretty wild stuff to see, like a sworn-in politician advocating for a state's a state's secession from uh, from a, you know the United the rest of the United States. Since I'm unplugged, I'm basically unplugged from from cable news and the media. So anything that gets to me is coming from basically Reddit or friends who are like, Hey, you, you're paying attention to this. Right. And a bunch of RSS feeds that I've had set, I have had set up for years so that when certain keywords end up on the, on the internet and on certain websites, I get an email with just like all the information I actually want and none of the nonsense. But, um, we're just operating like a bunch of idiots. Illumio, Illumio throws in the chat that the, you know America is the world's sugar daddy, and it's so true, and we know it. It's just we're trying to get these effects that we find to be desirable, and they have both positive and insane negative consequences, and we just can't stop. We're just addicted to trying to make things the way we want them, and we haven't figured out that we need to just go with the flow. And if things get really bad in the world we will be forced to bring them back to the median, right? Things will divert back to the norm. And at that point, it probably makes sense for us to participate. But by, by trying to control everything, we seem to just trip over our own feet. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we create, uh, foster a lot of resentment along the way, which, uh, isn't always the best. So apparently in Illumio's, uh, island country of what was it Krakow, right hey i th- i think it's I th- i'm looking it up on wikipedia right now yeah, sorry it. lumio i'm going to i'm butchering this i th- i'm going to hit the pronounce button one second what here. are you pronouncing hang on hang on we're going to hear wikipedia pronounce the country's name i don't want to get it wrong Curaçao. okay yeah Curaçao. what was the day like there lumio how how's life down there man he says that uh, a lot of South American countries get huge amounts of uh, funding uh, as well. Um, his country has a refinery uh, that has been looking to rent out to a third party for at least three years now. And um, it has like 300 plus huge tanks. So uh, obviously, uh, you know, we get a lot of, we used to get a lot of our oil from South America, um, which I think... I believe we still do now. Um, we should we should look into raising some money from friends and family, Travis, and so we can get into the oil business. <laughs> yeah, hey, I mean, we, it sounds like we got a place to stay down in uh, Curacao. 
But, yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna need your help, Illumio. Yeah. If you can One send day, us dude. the Zillow the Zillow listing on that refinery, we'll we'll take a look. Yeah. We've done Brad's done crazier things. <laughs> you gotta you know, every once in a while you need to just like follow Yeah, he's trying yeah, he's trying to call in. Let's use this. Here he okay, is. Yeah, can you, yeah, can you yeah. activate I'm, him? I haven't done this yet. I'm trying to call in Illumio, so please Bear with me. All right, I'm going to hit plus. Take the next caller. All right, I think you're in, Illumio. You just have to hit. Yeah, there you go. How's it All going? right. Good. You guys hear me? Yeah, yeah brother. It's loud and clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, down here, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy down here, like, with the amount of funding that's brought in from America. It's it's like, it's, it's, it's a given. They don't, like, um, when politicians go on campaign in South America, they don't even bring up the the, the point of uh, of... The fact, the fact that they, uh, that the, their system, the country pretty much uh, relies a lot on that funding from America. It's just a given. Right. Wow. It's just like there'd be blood in the streets. There'd be serious issues if that faucet was just turned off. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, especially in Central America. Like, if you look it up, how much money they're getting and for what, and then you go look on their side if they're actually using the money for those things. Uh, usually, it's no. Uh, and of course, that money is funneled back into you know cartels and things like that. But uh, they, uh, the ones that do use it, like they, uh, like Colombia, for example, um, Colombia gets a lot of money from the U.S. Um, Colombia has done a lot for their people, but it's at, it's but I mean, uh, if they were to take that money away, you know, they would have a hu- huge issue with upkeep. Right. Right, it's just not factored into the organic taxes that they're taking from the people. They're just—they um, see America as a renewable resource. Wow. Man. Well, That's and so it's, it's part of our—it's part of our foreign policy to cultivate relationships, right? Um, you know, uh, national defense and uh, and and security are kind of like a game of Chinese checkers, where the more more relationships you can foster, uh, the more options you have. And the more options you eliminate from, you know, people who are staying against what I we, mean, a, bi- a big part of it, Travis, is buying for. votes. We're buying yeah. votes when it comes back to the U.N. and the international scene. And we've seen that come to fruition with China and how they're doing their road and belt initiative. Uh, and it's bringing, you know, great facilities, great capabilities in particular in African nations right now. But uh, I wish I had the resource right in front of you. But you should see how Africa has gone from pretty much voting alongside the alongside the United States in the UN, which whether or not that's a net positive is one thing, right? But they were pretty much voting with the United States with a few exceptions, and now about half of the continent votes alongside whatever China's doing, right? And, you know, pros and cons all over that situation, but money talks, man. If you're going to build my country, uh, the facilities that we need for everyone to be happier – you can bet I'm going to vote with you. It's the exact same political schemes that that happen during elections, whether they're legal or not. You know, it depends on your country. It depends on what's considered legal. It depends on what's considered a bribe. But it's just an international scale of buying votes. You know, China's yeah. been really busy down here. Yeah, what are you really? seeing? Like on the island? Is that what you're talking about? In the Caribbean, in general, in South America, they've been very busy. Like nobody's even paying attention. It's, it's shocking that, that that there are so few reports on it. Um, so they they like they have a negotiations team that's like been working like you know fucking 
a lot <laughs> in South America. I mean, when it comes to if you look if you look at uh, what they've done with Brazil, uh, of course, of course, Venezuela is in the mix, uh, and other countries in South America and in the Caribbean here, they've been. I mean, like they already tried to get the refinery once before. Wow. Uh, but they, uh, um, there was something shady uh, that, that happened, and then uh, it was uh, the name of the company they used was Guangdong Zhengrong, uh, and uh, there was so much commotion around that that I still remember the name. <laughs> uh, Holy shit! Yeah, yeah it, uh, you know, one, one of the one of the one of the negotiators got a little greedy uh, and tried to get a little bit of a kickback, and, and he got found out, and then the whole thing sank. But we're like, in retrospect, we're very happy that it didn't, it didn't go through because uh, th- there is some, uh, there is a limited amount of reporting going on on a phenomenon called um, um, tea kettle uh, refineries, uh, uh, and uh, there's a whole strategy built around that that, that China has uh, allegedly, uh, right. where where they're trying to get their hands on as many small refineries as possible within within this region. Do you mind? Could you do us a huge favor, man? If um... yeah. We'd be super interested in reading anything about China, um, you know, investing in that refinery, investing in your nation or anything going on in South America. But I'd love it if it was from a source that everyone in the Caribbean uh, was. Yeah, there's no such thing. There's, There's no, no such, such thing. thing. So what There's about no such thing. But uh, you, you mean that, that what you guys have in America is fantastic, but it does not exist everywhere in the world. The, and, down, and down here, every island has has their own uh, newspaper. And if the if the if the um, if the news in in question is like is you know has a little bit of international flair to it, maybe it'll get picked up on in bigger cut. In bigger countries like America or somewhere else, but if it's just something local, uh, it's you know uh, you're just gonna find it in the local newspapers and in the local uh, uh, television um, uh, channel. Do you have some local stuff talking about China that you could like DM us so we can check that out? Yeah, in this case, this was picked up in Holland because we are a colony of the, of the Dutch. Right. So it was picked up in Holland. So, uh, but the question is, uh, can I find it in English though? Because uh, their stuff is in Dutch, Dutch, of course. So let me see if I can find a English uh, written article from a Dutch newspaper or whatever. If it see. is in Dutch, I've got some. Uh, I've got the capability to translate that pretty fluently uh, with some software here. So that's not a problem. But I think that'd be a really cool. Um, you know, that'd be another good financial study for Travis and I to uh, throw on the pod. Maybe on one of the next episodes, just break down China and their current financial influence. That's a good oh, it's what, it was concept. picked up by Reuters. Okay, it was picked up by Reuters. All right, I didn't know that. Uh, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, so here's the Reuters article. Um, I don't know if, if it's very in much in depth or not, but uh, let me see. Let me find another one just in case it don't really cover everything. Send us a few things, and uh, let's bulk up the information. We'll just dedicate a full pod to this. Yeah. Yeah, and we'd love to have you call back in and discuss it with us, man. No, the only major publication that picked it up was Reuters. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll the other one is the, the other one is their local one, but um, Curacao Chronicle did a little a little something on it, but it's not like it's like two paragraphs, I think. The Curacao Chronicle. That's your. That's the place. It's uh, there's just uh, one one uh, American expat I, I think that started this like a few years back because there were no other uh, media sources in English. Right, right. Curacao's what like two hundred thousand people or so. One hundred fifty thousand. 
And wow. are you born in Are you born and raised? I was born in Colombia. Uh, uh, my parents just decided to do it that way, um, and then uh, I came back to Curacao, and then I went to high school in, uh, in the United States. And uh, yeah, I spent some time over there, and I uh, came back. Awesome. Where'd you go? Uh, where'd you live in the U.S.? Uh, I went to high school in South Carolina. Uh, went to college in New York. Didn't really cut it in college in New York. Stayed there for a little while. And then I moved down to Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then uh, Florida, I stayed for a while. Then I moved to California. Gotcha. Yeah, you wow. all over, man. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we'd love to get into this uh, with you maybe for episode eight here. Um, and to the, uh, you know, to, to someone who may not be up to speed, obviously, you know, America tried to uh, pour a ton of money into China to get them to uh, open up to the West and in the, uh, you know, with the uh, false, uh, you know, the false uh, way of thinking where if, if they opened up, they'd uh, liberalize and westernize. Um, of course, they, uh, you know, they they copied a l- to some degree our capitalist, uh, you know, our capitalist economy, but yeah. um, doubled down on techno authoritarianism, and uh, it's kind of a scary deal right now. Uh, and the future is uncertain with regards to. Uh, yeah, it's super shady. To to where uh, you know these these two superpowers are, I'd consider China, a, you know, a, a peer superpower now. And, um, you know, they stand in complete antithesis to Western values. And uh, it's kind of crazy to see what, what, you know, think about what's going to happen here. When I moved to California, uh, I, uh, I decided to give college another try. Uh, so, and I, I like diving. So I said, okay, I'm going to give this whole commercial diving thing a, a try. And there was this good school uh, over in California at the end that I went to. And over there we had a professor uh, for uh, uh, testing, underwater testing. Uh, and uh, he used to work for the DOJ. Uh, and he would like he he would sometimes like tell like stories, but he would like embellish so you don't know what like what's real, what's not. <laughs> but but then like one thing is like okay, uh, somebody asked him something that prompted the like the lecture from him. Somebody asked him something, and he was like, no, I actually know, I actually have like some good knowledge about this specific topic. And I think somebody brought up China, and uh, and uh, he said, okay, no, actually I did, I worked alongside the guys who were doing the research on this, so I actually have like actual data on this. Uh, and he was saying that uh, what happens is that there's been a long time campaign uh, from China where what they do is they send uh, they, they first first they first they find out who has the 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 knowledge or expertise or, or uh, uh, info that they need. Where, where is this person located? Is he in academia? Is he in industry? Where is he? And then they would send um, uh, young people who were who would uh, who would position themselves in a unique way. Like for example, what was the one example he said? Uh, like if you needed like if you needed like um, um, uh, to know how some rockets worked. Okay, for NASA. Then what they would do is they would send uh, like a bunch of young people, and they would they, they would uh, their job in life would be to get the very best grades possible to get to get in the smallest classes to position themselves in such a way where they would end up with that job. 
and then they, and then they can start sending the information back. And so, yeah. and so, and that was my first introduction to like. like I, I wasn't really busy with, with with thoughts about politics back then, but that was that was my first introduction to shit. People are actually doing that. That's like that sounds to me like some James Bond kind of stuff. Dude, it is that that human espionage and human intel aspect of this this desire to take over resources and intelligence is is real and alive. And I can't believe it doesn't get more press. Like. There are multiple people every year that are kicked out of universities that were adjunct professors, they're PhD, PhD students, or they're just bachelor students, and they are there to get information, period. Yeah, it's, it's, it's corporate and politics all wrapped up into one. Yeah. The, uh, the, graduate, the, the graduate assistant uh, you know, scam that they have going right now is, is, is unparalleled. They're extrapolating, uh, extracting so much you know, inf- information from our, our country right now. It's, well, it's, shoot, it's, man. Yeah. If uh, the United States was going to pay me and cover my cost of getting a degree at Harvard, if all I had to do was just report on, uh, you know, how some chip was made or how some rocket piece was made, like, hell yeah, I'd be doing it too. But of you know course, what's, uh, what's dumbfounding is that that information can actually be properly put together and brought back like that's a huge system think of all the different things that a country would be interested in learning that isn't a giant intelligence system to even bring that information back right like how does that even get looked at like imagine travis and i are both military guys we were both in uh in the navy and like there's a lot of uh (laughs) there's a lot of um uh what's the word i'm looking for here it's a system yeah, yeah it's a giant machine and if you're not talking directly to someone who's in power, your information about how something could be made better or how something's going wrong, your ability to tell the head honchos what's happening at the lower level can be pretty freaking difficult, right? So it is kind of difficult to push information up, but it seems like in a system that China has set up where the head honcho just says, no, 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 if, if someone has valuable information, if something has something that's a benefit to the team, that needs to come forward immediately, right? And that's how you have to do things. You have to break down the barriers and the friction and just say, if you have something that's important to us, you come right to the front of the line. One more thing that was wild about China that, that I learned uh, was, not, this, not that this is like drag on China hour, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. since you guys brought up the, I mean, uh, all, like, all well, the great hey, powers want influence. All the great, really, you know. Really, let's, let's, let's put this distinction out there. And we are not ragging on the Chinese people no, I, no, no! It's the CCP. I, yeah, it's the CCP, um, and I I view them as a as a corrupt oligarchy that basically holds their people prisoner. Yeah. Did you know that you can never own property in China? You can buy the like the building, but the property, like the actual land, you can never own it. There's no such thing. The CCP owns all land. Yeah, I've uh, gone down that road. Was there something else you're going to throw in there, Alumio? Is there is there an earlier point? Oh uh, yeah, to the um, you guys were talking about refineries and stuff, so I thought I'd, I'd bring that in since uh, that's like yeah. something that happened recently. Uh, and uh, they're still looking. It's not they, we still don't have anybody to took over the refinery, right? Uh, we had we've had um, we had uh, this one guy from America, Gary. Um, um, I have to look up his name, but uh, this one dude that wanted to take it over, he had like a like a little um, entourage with him. 
Uh, and then uh, right now we have uh, the Brazilians are looking into it. But, uh, yeah, so for, for, you know, you would think that people would want to snap this up as soon as possible, but um, it's been challenging. Yeah, any idea what the friction is there, what the difficulty is? Well, the first the first time that it didn't go through, it was because, you know, a couple of people who were in charge of negotiations got overzealous. So that could be a one-off. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, the, okay, so the refinery is not in the very best condition. That's also the problem. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of layers to this as well. I just didn't know if there's a giant giant sticking point or something. You know, what, the refinery turns on and now the nation's uh, fresh water supply is absolutely going to be polluted once again or something, you know. I don't know. Oh, no, I mean, like, it has, it has its issue. It's not a pristine property at all, but, like, right. uh, the, the geographic location of it is um, beneficial. And uh, the air already has a air already has a ledger of um, clients, so it's not like you're going to have to build back up the the business. Right, right. Travis, what do you think? How should we outro this? We're kind of coming up at the the top of the hour almost here, and I think uh, Illumiel the plan will be to rendezvous again in a week or so and uh, bring some more information to the whole Built and Road initiative. And being that this is financial, this is not financial advice podcast. It probably makes sense for us to see uh, if we can figure out what price tags are being traded around and just how much money is being spent in different areas and uh, how it's impacting those countries. Yeah. No, uh, I, I usually go on this on on the Colin app, like just to, like because uh, a lot of times the people who talk on this are from America and uh, they don't really have any kind of practical experience south south of, of their border. Yeah. And so a, a lot of the stuff that's being peddled in the news isn't exactly true, <laughs> you know. And, so, and some things, some things that that you know that they think are lies are actually true. Uh, so that's yeah, right. Well, uh, we we would love to uh, you know get into all that with you, man. Um, but uh, I think uh, we're probably going to be calling this one a uh, a wrap here in a sec. So. Yeah, Lumia, we'll reach out to you and message you, man, and we'd love sure. to have, have you circle back and uh, you know get some of your valuable insight. Because I, I for one, hand up, don't. I've never been to South America, and uh, uh, Brad, I'm not sure if you have, but I would love to learn more. Just briefly, I did a quick thing in Costa Rica. My wife's done like Venezuela, Colombia, or something like that, but need to spend more time down there. Uh, here's my Discord. Yeah, shoot us, uh, shoot us some stuff in your DMs, brother, or in our DMs, and uh, we'll look forward to talking again soon. But uh, that is all the time we have for today. So uh, appreciate you calling in, Alumio. We'll get back with you. And uh, remember, everybody, this is not financial advice. <laughs> See you guys. Right. Thank you, guys. Have a good night, okay? Thanks for the content. You too. See ya. Share with you my story, would you share your battle?